0: Happy Thursday, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Apollo 13 Minute, a show where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go over one minute of probably the greatest space history movie ever made, the 1995 Ron Howard-directed feature Apollo 13, I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com, and I'm your other host.
1: I'm Chris Henry of the EAA Aviation Museum,
0: uh, and I think I've come down off the vapors from yesterday, Chris. I, I <laughs> <laughs> Are you okay? You recovered all right? Yeah, had, it's it's all better. You I had know, something I just, to drink, and had, yeah. yeah, chamomile <laughs> tea, and you know, just nice, nice, quiet uh, <laughs> rest period. Yeah, uh, yeah, we're we're back, and this this minute, I think is it's okay. It's okay now because none of none of this is real. This is a this is a fantasy minute, so. <laughs> Uh, it's it's easy to enjoy you've got that fantastic James Horner score I mean this is Horner at one of his best um, it's uh, you just it, want to it, go to the moon listen to that well it's,
1: it's it's a character in the movie
0: it really is it really, I is. Mean, it really yeah, it, yeah it really is and uh, we had um, on the uh, on the Rocketeer Minute we talked with uh, a composer T- Tom Geyer and uh, he was talking about how Horner teaches you a song and by the time you're halfway through the movie you understand the language of the song and this music is triumphant because it's it shows you know jim lovell on the moon but it's also kind of melancholy because this is the thing he will never see or never feel and experience it's it's mutually uh, happy and sad a lot of great uh, things happening here that we see from from what would have what would have been on uh, on uh, in, uh, on the Apollo 13 mission, primarily, if we look at the uh, the lunar landing suit that Lovell is wearing, this is the first time red stripes were used for the commander, and this all resulted from problems with uh, photography in Apollo 12. Apollo 12, uh, Conrad and Bean, when they were on the moon, passed the camera back and forth between themselves. And when they got back to Earth, since they were both two guys wearing white suits and they were kind of distant from each other, you couldn't read their name tags, <laughs> it got a bit confusing as to, well, who's that standing in front of surveyor and who's that next to the crater? And they came up with the idea, is the commander's going to have a stripe on his suit, and it's kind of like the Sneeches. you know, he has a stars upon stars. He's wearing the red stripe on there, and then uh, Fredo would have been wearing a plain white suit. Lovell also added a touch, since he is uh, more than anything else, he identifies himself as a Navy man. He has the the Navy uh, anchor uh, right there in, uh, in blue and white on the uh, on the front piece of his of his hood, the uh, the sun visor. That would have been a, a stunning uh, oh, attire on the moon.
1: Yeah, it really would have been for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's uh, it just just looks fantastic, and I think Tom Hanks ca- captured the kind of uh, expression that I think jim lovell would have had on his face the whole time he was on the moon it's fascinating seeing you know seeing how they how they accomplished this the effects that they figured out here in this movie would later be used on the hbo series from the earth to the moon a rather interesting way of getting that loping gait that they were showing here is that they would tie in these long shots uh they would tie the uh, stuntman to a large balloon and his cables the, the the cables were set so that he five sixths of his weight would be picked up by the balloon, so he had a, a one a one sixth gravity leap that he could make when he was walking around on the on that lunar surface set.
1: I'd like um, to go play on that. Yeah, I, I uh, me I too. We we'll have too. to when we have Brett back on, we have to talk to Brett about that.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, because I, I know he he probably enjoyed it a lot. The yeah. uh, the interesting. <laughs> I really would like to have one of these, just, gosh, if they would take five, six off of my weight, I'd... I'd
1: well, that'd I'd, be fantastic. I'd, I'd be on, y- you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, wonder if they, I wonder if they sell them somewhere. Remember, <laughs> Edmund Scientific Company used to sell uh, helium weather balloons, and I was thought, well, if you get enough, you could probably fly with them. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That picture uh, the, of the the great blue marble, I believe that's an actual Apollo picture, uh, and I can't I can't remember the mission. But in the final seconds of, of this scene, when we see when we see the Earth, that's actually a transparency f- from an Apollo mission. So that's pretty much what the moon would look like from from way up there. It's uh, it's a beautiful beautiful moment, and you know all of it not not real, but uh, I think <laughs> I keep wondering if if Tom Hanks just begged and begged and begged. Uh, Ron Howard, can we please get a lem? <laughs> can we can we can we, can just we go do this? On the-
1: yeah, can we just go and film this scene? And yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> it's uh, it, it, it's a lot of fun. And it's uh, I, I was just watching a, uh, a couple episodes of Arrested Development last night, and uh, they, uh, the the the, con- the bit of comedy in it is that Imagine Entertainment, uh, Ron Howard's office, actually has a lem, and when when Ron Howard goes to think, he goes and sits in the lem. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: hysterical, actually.
0: Yeah, just just a nice uh, a nice thought. I mean, it, this is actually from the uh, Cradle of Aviation Museum, I believe is is where this uh, this lunar module wound up. Yeah, so and I think uh,
1: that's um, if I'm not mistaken, that's also the limb they used in uh, from the Earth to the Moon. Yeah, that's, um, that's right. And it was I, I want to say it was it was like a partial. It was partially completed, and they found it in like storage at Grumman. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and they've finished it out and now it's on display and it's a um yeah it's a cradle of aviation and it's gorgeous i mean it's a it's a beautiful restoration
0: yeah yeah and it's just just amazing to see i mean the the idea that there's just extra limbs lying around in a closet somewhere (laughs) lunar
1: module you know (laughs) yeah yeah uh, (laughs) Um, that's a good cradle of aviation is a good place for it right there in new york so it
0: it really is there at the old mitchell airfield yeah uh, a lot of a lot of great grumman stuff there i'm trying to remember the name of the is it josh store i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say his name because I can't, I can't remember but i talked with the curator there and uh he helped me find oh, some information josh on,
1: Stoff, yeah Stoff. that's right yeah yes. yeah great guy he, he,
0: yeah he uh he helped me figure out some things that happened with uh some equipment that was shown at the new york world's fair and huh. uh actually rather a rather sad story the uh during the uh, uh the world's fair in the new york hall of uh, science there was a uh, an exhibit that was sponsored by Martin Marietta, and one of the things they were showing was a uh, uh, what it'd be like having a space station. And this would be on the heels of uh, what would have been uh, the X twenty dinosaur, but uh, the X twenty dinosaur was canceled, and Martin Marietta was trying to push for some lifting bodies uh, for sale that would go on the, on the top of their uh, Titan three missiles and uh, have a basically an air force. Um, similar to what happened with the manned orbiting laboratory. There'd be a, a, a laboratory in space that ships would dock with. And uh, the space station was known as know how And uh, they, showed, they showed a multimedia uh, film there called Rendezvous in Space, uh, hosted by Danny Thomas. And uh, what they talked about was in the not-too-distant future, uh, the space station called KnowHow would be orbiting the Earth, and they would shift out crews every couple of months. And uh, as, as they were talking about this in this movie that you'd be watching... The movie would uh, go dark, and overhead, 130 feet overhead in the Hall of Science, there would be these full-sized models. They were uh, they each weighed 1,300 pounds, uh, large uh, space-going lifting bodies that were hanging from the ceiling, and you'd, you'd actually watch a space station dock with this uh, spacecraft. And uh, that show uh, ran for two years, in 1964 and 65, at the New York World's Fair. And then after the fair closed, that the, the show continued running until 1971 when they decided to refurbish the entire uh, Hall of Science. So they didn't really have any place for these spacecraft, and they donated them to the uh, Cradle of Aviation Museum. Cradle of Aviation Museum didn't really have, uh, have room for them, so they started looking around. And they talked to General Tom Stafford. Uh, Tom Stafford, you know, Air Force man who wanted to, uh, who worked with with lifting bodies and was part of, uh, you know, winged winged aviation uh, or winged winged aerospace, was interested in it. He, uh, I don't know how he did it, but he finagled an Air Force, well, he's a general. I guess he knows how to finagle. (laughs) He finagled a a C-130 transport to take the lifting bodies and move them to uh, his home state of Oklahoma where they would go on display at a... uh, uh, the Omniplex Science Museum in Oklahoma City. Huh. Uh, but he didn't want the space station and they couldn't find room for the space station. So unfortunately, Josh told me that uh, they, they took the, the space station that was you know had been left there with a tarp over it, took it out in the parking lot and cut it up with chainsaws and threw it in the dumpster because nobody wanted it. And I just—oh <laughs> my god—I <laughs> <laughs> feel really bad. But it's just you know, it's an exhibit that nobody wanted to exhibit, and really, it's—it uh, well. I mean, you're in the you're in the uh, museum business as it were, and it, oh. it's like it's hard
1: to store all these things, and it costs money. It does. And it costs money. It's hard to store, um, and it's so hard to tell what, you know, what what we have that's an experiment today, you know, a test bed that that it's either going to be awesome or nobody's ever going to care about seeing this thing. And yeah. it's so hard to figure out, if, you know, you do your best to just preserve everything that you can. Uh, but at some point you have to choose. I mean, that's what happened during world war two was uh, really after world war two, nobody cared about these airplanes. It was whatever. Let's see, let's get home and get on with our lives. And then little by little, it's like, Oh gosh, we should save that, you know? And uh, yeah, yeah. So it- yeah, yeah, it's it's
0: it's, 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 it's a, tra- a tragedy of you can't keep everything. And these things, yeah. a lot of a lot of times, they are ephemera. They're not built to last. Yeah. So you know, yeah. you think a pair of gloves that somebody wore on the moon, who'd have thought you'd want them? You know, well, <laughs> yeah,
1: it's just well, and that's you know, we we fly our B seventeen, and it's a constant. You know, there's a lot of constant maintenance that goes into it, and when you when you realize that, you know, wow, it's a lot of work, and it's like, well, they were never. You know, nobody ever thought these things were going to be flying seventy-five years later. They they were built yeah. to last a few weeks over in Europe, you know, and that was it.
0: Yeah, yeah, dodge bullets and, and come home, and it, that was yeah. done. Well, um, I was talking with—I uh, know we're going afield from space and things, <laughs> but uh, I was talking with someone from the uh, uh, Department of Interior, National Park Service, at uh, Promontory Point, where the Golden Spike was driven in Utah. Oh yeah, uh, for the end of the Transcontinental Railroad, and. Uh, he told me a lot of people ask him why, you know, why do they have reproductions of the uh, the two engines that met, uh, the the Jupiter and the 119, and uh, they they have two replicas. Why didn't they, you know, why didn't they preserve the last two? And so he said, well, if you think about it, when the when the interstate highway system was completed, why didn't they keep the last two dump trucks? And you know, it's like, uh, yeah, they weren't that important. It wasn't yeah. a big deal. I mean, they had an uh, they had an event here's two engines we'll it will take a, a nice picture of it you know we'll shake hands and toast everybody and then nobody really cared about those two engines but yet you know we saw that, that iconic picture you have to have the engine so you can't you 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 really have to recreate them because they they weren't uh, maintained and they don't exist anymore so it's yeah. uh, just a, a tragedy of of exhibition yeah. and and then and, and, and you know and I'm sure Chris you could talk about the difference between restoration and renovation there's you know you replace the handle of something you know it's like george washington's axe you replace the uh the blade and the
1: handle do you still have the axe it's just <laughs> yeah well it's exactly it yeah, yeah. I, it w- that's a common struggle with aircraft restoration of how much of that airplane is really that airplane yeah uh, when you restored it you know so yeah yeah I, yeah i get it yeah <laughs> you know it's like do you
0: really want to you know you really want to take take off the paint and take it down to the bare metal because that's the paint that was over germany and you know right
1: kind of right exactly so it's uh We've yeah, really right. gone off track. We're yeah in a World know. War II aircraft <laughs> preservation, you know. But it always comes back to that, doesn't <laughs> yeah, it? It does. Yeah. <laughs> but that is, you know, that is one of the struggles that a lot of even the science centers. I mean, um, the Infinity is a great museum that Fred Hayes is closely tied to. You know, and they're working to save components from a Saturn V. And, yeah, that was left um, out in the
0: rain for decades. Decades.
1: You know, and, yeah. And yeah. Um, You know, it, it, the sheer size and material that the stuff was built out of. Uh, it just it's a struggle. It's a fight to try to save it and get it inside.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I could tell right. you that, I, and I don't mean to make a plug for air museums mm-hmm. or air and space museums, but I could tell you that when you donate to an air, to a reputable air and space museum, or um, you know, they stretch every penny you give them. And uh, whether that pays for education programming for, for kids or, uh, restoration and preservation work i mean it it counts i mean if you're supporting a museum or you're on the fence thinking about it uh i could tell you that uh you know they make every every penny count
0: yeah and the and the stuff that you give now helps you know people in the future will remember you because you managed to, to you know to give some give a little bit of money now that preserves something that Kids and grandkids can look at. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's, uh, it's it's a rough time. how, how much uh, How much storage do you? Have? I mean, I know
1: you have you have a rather large museum, but do you have a lot of storage where you can work on things? Uh, we have a re- so our museum has about 200 airplanes in it. We have aircraft storage buildings. There's two on site here where we can safely preserve aircraft out of the elements that just aren't on display, and then we have a restoration hangar across the field, and that's where our uh, like our B17 gets its maintenance done, our B25 and other restoration or maintenance projects. So, Yeah. Are, are
0: um, you are you working on any restorations right now that
1: are We are, we're getting ready to fly our B25 hopefully in the spring. It's getting ready oh to a same type airplane that uh, led to do Little Raid.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, our airplane was used in another movie called Catch 22. Oh, uh, yes. So, yeah, our, our aircraft was in that film.
0: Well, if Alan Arkin comes out to uh, uh, inaugurate it, let me know. I
1: we, be- we, we asked <laughs> him, actually, and he is deathly afraid of flying in B-25s. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but we, we tried that route. <laughs> can, he, can
0: he wave from the ground, maybe? Yeah,
1: if you've seen the yeah. movie, uh, yeah. not a, some folks haven't, but uh, uh, if you have seen the movie, our airplane played a few different roles. But uh, the one where you could really pick out that it's our airplane is this was the General's airplane oh okay uh, that uh, was all tan and had an air stair door in it that, uh, that's our aircraft so wow yeah well very exciting
0: stuff well wow. well yes we did go far afield but i think we uh, away from the moon yeah <laughs> but so you know i mean jim lovell here has it's kind of gotten away from being in his limb so yeah um, <laughs> but just generally I mean, I, and this is but we're back to a nice minute because this is a real nice minute. i do like the way that they showed um uh, they showed the lunar surface i've heard Several uh, lunar astronauts describe it as like putting your hands through um, uh, Portland cement, that it's that fine. And uh, I think they, they capture that really well when, when uh, Lovell takes a knee and runs his fingers through the, moon, the lunar regolith. So quite a uh, accurate as far as I can tell. I, I <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's just a, a beautiful minute. And it really captures the way you'd think if you were going to stand on the moon. That's hopefully what it would be like. Um, but uh, anyway, we'll we'll catch up with uh, hopefully going back to reality uh, tomorrow. But we'll 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 check on where where Level and Company are. Uh, for folks who want to reach out to us and, and talk some more about this uh, particularly you know, visually stunning episode, check back with us on uh, our social media. We're available on Facebook at uh, the Apollo Thirteen Minute Mission Control. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at Apollo Thirteen Minute. We do try to respond to every everything that people write to us. and We do appreciate your comments and concerns uh and uh, happy happy to hear from you uh if you can correct us when wrong I did did get a note uh, uh actually just this morning uh from someone who pointed out that I did misidentify Anya it's not Anya it's Annie Lennox who is uh doing the ooh sounds in the uh, in the Horner theme so apologies <laughs> for that <laughs> I stand corrected uh uh, anyway, if you haven't uh, if you haven't subscribed, and you must subscribe because we're more than halfway through and you can't miss the exciting ending, go out to iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify, type in Apollo 13 Minute, click subscribe, and it will be delivered to you hot and fresh every morning, Monday through Friday. So uh, come back with us uh, tomorrow as we uh, finish up the week and uh, get back to the reality of Apollo 13. It looks like we're coming up on Lost the Signal in about 30 seconds, so we will see you here tomorrow on the Apollo 13 Minute.